Yes team, how are we? Welcome back to another episode of the High Performance Coach Podcast. Today I am joined by another very special man, somebody that I've had the pleasure and privilege of watching grow, evolve, build and create something that is truly a blue ocean and somebody that's got a phenomenal story, a phenomenal journey, a great friend, somebody that I've been able to really connect with on an even higher level uh, out with the professional domain over the last three, four and actually probably 10 years that we've now known each other, uh, Mr. Dan Hancock. Welcome to the High Performance Coach Podcast. Joy, thanks for having me. Dude, an absolute pleasure. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Brave the rain, getting through. Yeah, we were just so talking far. about how terrible the weather has become and the impact that's had over the last few days in yeah. terms of mood, energy, and it certainly takes its, takes yeah, its toll, doesn't it? I'm going to be miserable all day today. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, mate. We'll go for some coffee and some breakfast after, and that'll make, that'll make all the difference. Dude, firstly, an absolute pleasure to have you on. I would love to know, obviously, many of the coaches that will probably be listening will know Dan through MHEC, but... Who was Dan before MHEC? Okay, I'll give you I'll give you the short version. So I grew up around about ten minutes from here, um, in Dunblane, and grew up from a very privileged background. Both my parents were teachers. They've just retired, but they went on to be university lecturers. So I came from a very kind of a- academic background, and I used to play football. Used to absolutely love running about the fields myself, playing football and. At that stage, I knew there was like something within me that just wanted to compete in some way. Uh, there was a lot of energy. I wanted to spend a lot of time on my own, pushing myself. And I ended up being very disruptive in school, what I know now to be ADHD, plus a lot of my own traits that decided that I wanted to mess around in school. And I had a terrible time at school, despite feeling that you know I had I had something to give but traditional academics didn't give me the the opportunity to do that so lots of trouble at school lots of suspensions lots of getting trouble getting into trouble with the police and at around 14 15 years old went on a night out close to here Everything happens close to here. It's about 10 minutes in the other direction. Went on a night out. Got seriously assaulted by a group of, a group of grown men. My, my friends got into a fight. I went to try and, uh, try and support them and back them up. And ended up getting seriously assaulted. Fractured my eye sockets. Broke my ribs. And pretty much stopped playing football then. I took a little bit of time out. Went back for one session. Couldn't run. I just thought, no, fuck this. I'm not going to do it anymore. When that happened, started to go off the rails quite a bit. Started drinking a lot, started drinking heavily at 14, started taking drugs at 15, started just chasing, you know, this this dopamine hit and this adrenaline. I was shoplifting, getting in trouble with the police. Again, just trying to kind of, you know, navigate this natural ecosystem that I had that was really fluctuating chemically, you know, um, all throughout the week. So that went on for, for quite a few years stopped exercising, went off to university. It was a terrible idea because I couldn't apply myself there again. Don't know why I thought I could apply myself at university when I wasn't able to at school. And when you get an individual who is very much off the rails, really doesn't understand what their identity is and who they are. Because I came from a very academic background, I was just really trying to fit in with the cool kids and it was just extremely self-destructive. What then happens when you're in that situation is you, you latch on to find your identity elsewhere. Um, and you're seeking comfort, validation, whatever it is through somebody else. So I ended up getting into a, a really toxic uh, relationship. I wasn't allowed to go to the gym, was barely allowed to leave the house, um, lost a lot of my friends at that stage. I'm really fortunate and grateful for that took me back. And you can just imagine all of this compounding over years and years, but this deep desire within me that I knew I could amount to something. It was just emotional, psychological turmoil constantly. I managed to leave that relationship and the first thing that I did was join the university gym, go and do my level two gym instructor, go and do my level three personal training courses. This is when I met you because the one thing that I could remember that made me feel safe, seen, free, creative, productive, whatever it was, was exercise. And I thought, if I'm going to get my life back on track, I want to feel the way that I used to feel when I was young and free playing football. If I can get that for myself, maybe then I can offer that to other people who've been through the same thing. And that brought me up to about maybe 10 years ago or so. Mate, I love that. And then when we were like sat in that room, uh, I delivered part of that 
personal training course. I think we looked at the nutrition manual and at the time I was like massively into it and it was like, right, we're gonna we're not we're not gonna actually talk about this stuff. Um but where where was like where was where was Dan and what happened then obviously when you were able to feel seen, heard and free and reconnected with oneself, then what was the path and the journey you went on? Yeah, so it's an interesting one because I think a lot of people I don't want to speak for you, but I think a lot of people when they transition into the fitness industry expect uh, expect it to be something else. So initially it was difficult because I remember going into that PT course thinking I was like a big fish, thinking like, oh, I've done all my my research online. I've read Ziza's <laughs> bodybuilding bodybuilding handbook. Yeah. You know, that I'm, not legit? I thought it was <laughs> I'm on, um, you know, I, I browse at the bodybuilding.com forum and I thought I, I know everything about exercise and I didn't. And the interesting thing is I was then getting into exercise to try and, become this person that I thought I wanted to be, which was big, strong, able to defend myself, probably goes back to that assault from years before and thinking, right, well, if I look like a man, you know, then 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 I'll, I'll be one. And what ended up happening was I flung myself into that environment and I was like, I don't have a fucking clue about any of this. I don't, I don't understand anything. And I think that was fantastic because then it put me on the back foot when I joined the industry because I was like, oh my God, I've got so much to learn. And then that doesn't even take into account the business side of things, the human behavioral psychology side of things, the, the interpersonal skills you need to work with clients. Like you, you have to build all of those as you go. So you're very much flung into the deep end. And this is why something that we are both so passionate about is improving these standards of the industry from day one. So yeah, individuals have to do trial and error. They have to you know fail forward fast, as, as you would call it. But we need to try and get a better standard of individuals coming into this space so that they're better prepared to help the vulnerable people that need it most. So PT'd for a few years, didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing, just didn't have a clue how to market anything, didn't really have a clue what I was doing in my sessions, but you know, I, I, was, I was good with people. So that helped massively. And after a few years of doing it, I just started to then realize again, although I'd built up all my skills to coach a client, I found myself back at square one again because I started to identify that all these individuals were coming to me with a lot more complex things going on than, than what was on the surface. And it didn't take too much to probe and find out that, you know, an individual was coming to me and they were saying, um, Dan, I want to lose fat or I want to change my body shape. And if you ask why five times, immediately you understand the real reason that they're coming. It's low self-worth and, and insecurity. You get a lot of people coming to me and they're saying, oh, I just really want to improve my health. And as we know, no one wakes up in the morning first thing and says, oh, I want to change my life today. We know that that's probably actually came from a health scare, whether it's a personal one or maybe a family member. And then there was another type of client that would come and I would love this client because they would be like, oh, I don't care about fat loss. You know, I just, I want to prove something to myself. I'd be like, fucking yes, great. This is going to be a great client. Thank you for saying something that I'm more interested in. But then when you ask why five times then and you peel it back, it's coming from a place of like confusion or loss of identity. Because again, no one wakes up in the morning and thinks, I want to run a marathon. This came from somewhere. So I started to then piece the dots together and identify that these people were coming, not necessarily just with poor mental health, mental illness, but just with confusion over what their overall goal was. What then essentially happened was I just had a light bulb moment. I was in the shower. All my ideas come when I'm in the shower. Richard Amy's fucking sick off because I run out just a, <laughs> just a towel on being like, babe, guess what? Mate, you need to get one of those, Leanne bought me one of those pens. you got a waterproof, <laughs> waterproof pen. I've got one of them in there. It's like a waterproof pencil that you can literally write, mate. That's I'm going to get you that. Get me that. Get me that for my birthday. Um, but yeah, so essentially I just started to identify that people were coming to me with lots of different things going on. And I said, I'm not necessarily saying it was always poor mental health and mental illness, but it was low confidence, it was low self-esteem, it was low worth, it was lack of self-respect for themselves and their bodies, lack of identity, confusion over direction, loss of purpose, loss of status, loss of meaning in their life. And I just thought, I need to understand why all these people are coming to me. So essentially I developed a methodology to be able to identify this, have earlier interventions, but then use exercise as a tool specifically to improve their mental health, but then also develop key life skills, characteristics, traits that they could learn within the gym, like confidence, resilience, and then develop the step-by-step -step process of how we could then grab these new traits, characteristics, and then apply them to everyday life. 
And that's kind of how the whole MHIC methodology and um, the, the initial beginnings started. Yeah, mate, I love that. The entirety of the ethos that, that, that now exists. Mate, we'll go back a step. When you stepped into, obviously, the, the gym floor for the first time and you were able to go from zero clients to, obviously, fully booked over those years, what were some of the skills and or some of the things that you believe that you had and or had to develop that allowed you the opportunity to go from like zero to fully booked? Because I think quite often there's this interpretation that you need to have this expectation that you need to have like X, Y, and Z, but actually I believe that it couldn't be further from the truth. I think it's some basic concepts that need to be in place. What were some of the skills that you felt as you developed to go from zero to fully booked in that time? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of people will hone in on the marketing and the advertising, which is obviously, it's, it's a crucial thing. If you don't, if you, you could have all the skills in the world, but if you don't know how to communicate them to people that you have these skills, what's the, what's the point? So those things are vitally important, but a lot of them come down to the coaching itself. It comes down to the interpersonal skills. It comes down to the way that you make an individual feel seen, feel heard. Um, because, not to blame it on this, but because I, do, I, I, because I do have ADHD, I'm very impulsive and I like to talk a lot. And refining that skill of actually talking less was so, so it's something I've really struggled with today, as you can tell already. Um, so that learning to actually speak less, learning to coach less and learning to listen more was vitally important. Learning to connect the dots, I think is key as well. So even say, for example, when we do our course, our award in mental health and exercise coaching assessment days, and we do the practical assessment, even when individuals are being practically assessed and they're doing a role play scenario of, of helping their client, they miss so many different cues. The, 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 the person doing the role play with them will say these things and they're just missing out on these verbal cues, even when it comes to like eye contact is massively important. It sounds like such a simple thing, but even as a coach, like body language is massively important as well. You've got individuals that come in and then individuals basically their fight or flight response can be triggered by even looking into your eyes. It can be triggered by your body language. Because say, for example, if me and you were sitting here right now and I'm doing this, this is quite intense, right? You know, when me and you go for lunch, you'll see that sometimes I look about the place because basically like throughout time, like evolution, like basically when you're sitting like staring at someone, it's like you're going to go in, into battle, right? So think about it. if you've got an individual who's struggling with their anxiety or maybe has a, has a nervous disposition and they're coming into the gym and you're facing them front on, immediately they go into fight or flight, immediately. So it's e even a case of like learning like what body language is suitable, what level of eye contact is suitable. And I know this may seem like I'm going into loads of depth um, and being a little bit OTT with it, but the majority of your body language is non-verbal and these are the things that could trigger an emotional um, anxiety response within an individual as opposed to the words that you say. So interpersonal skills are massively important and genuinely caring about the individual and I know this sounds really really self-explanatory this is something that you know you're fantastic with as well is that you could have a hundred conversations a day but when you're speaking to me I feel like that's the only conversation that you're having and it's so difficult to get lost in the whirlwind of a hundred clients working 60 hours a week and, and not giving that personal touch to the client you just need to remember that they could be you know your 15th client of the day but you are their only the one pt session of the day so the the interpersonal skills are key they come first and then understanding about kind of the neurological makeup and the behavior of of those clients so that you can manipulate that positively even further that's then what comes next Dude, I think person first as always is the most the most the most important skill that you can develop 100%. What was the challenge that you faced from going from Dan, the guy that worked in Pure Gym as the busy the, you know the busy coach PT who was fully booked that you know was uh, doing incredible things, to then going right okay I want to develop uh, this new award and the identity shift that you had to go through and also potentially the challenge that you had with respect to going through that transition and now being able to make it go from like nothing and an idea to actually a thing mm. letting go probably letting go of identity is massive massive um when i first started pting i was, I was hanging about with lots of different groups of people and you you you, you, you care about what other people think and I'm not saying that I don't care anymore, but me having that transition of, oh, fuck it, I just, I don't care anymore. Like, everyone is going to have to grow up eventually. I don't want to be the last person at the party when everyone else has went off and done their own thing. And I feel like I managed to hack into that 
quite early of identifying that, every, that loads of people are going down a self-destructive path and you want to be on that path together. But ultimately, people will find their feet eventually. But I want to do that first. So I'm not the last person at the party being self-destructive. Um, so that was kind of like a wake-up call for me to let go of a past identity, come into my own a lot more, write about what I want to write about online, you know, talk the way that I want to talk, you know, write in a slightly maybe like poetic way when it comes to copywriting and, and just not care what anyone else thinks. So that was that was a huge kind of shift. Another one was something that stems from that is literally just, it's just putting yourself out there. And I know this is going to sound like such a cliche thing that just like, oh, act on your dreams. But it's it's so true. Like so many things that I have done. If I was to trace my steps back from where I am now to where I began, yet yeah, it's the hard work and the persistence and the consistency every single day. But it's also probably about a dozen impulse decisions that I've made that I did not run by anyone else that I just thought fuck it I'm going to do it I'm not even going to think about it I'm going to post it online and things just start to snowball it, it, it's happened multiple times it's happened when um it's happened when I first started to announce that I was going to help people for free with their mental health so I was working in pure gym and I did this and that took off as soon as lockdown hit I announced that I was going to do free homeschool PE for parents. I got about 15,000 followers overnight from, from that alone. It happened when I was going to create the award. I hadn't even started it yet and I announced online that I was going to do it because I put myself out there and then I had to go and fulfill those duties, gained a great amount of momentum there. And it's probably happened about another 10 times since of me not actually thinking about something, making sure that what I was saying was factually correct and wouldn't offend anyone, but just putting that out there and then thinking, right, it's out there, it's out in the open there, the world of social media will let me know whether it's a good idea and then having to act actively go and fulfill that. Um, so that's massively key as well. And then I think one of the other massively important things is, and this is something that I really, really struggle with, but when it comes to all these things being fulfilled, identifying that things aren't going to happen overnight and that things are going to get a bit boring at times and that you know, this you could have the same day every single day for about three months. And that, yeah, there's an, an initial spark and a lot of excitement and a lot of fun things that happen when you go into business. Um, but ultimately, sometimes it's the boring things that you do kind of behind the scenes that you need to do. And then it goes through waves and it fluctuates. Um, and then learning how to manage your energy within those periods of up and down as well. Yeah, I love that. What would you say have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had with getting MHEC off the ground and making that transition? So on paper, you would think the biggest challenge has been public opinion. But that's been my favourite thing because I love a fucking challenge. Um, if I didn't have anyone objecting to what I was doing, I'd be miserable. I'd be like, where's the resistance? Like, come on, give me something. Give me some sort of fuel that I can use. So that has been a big one, though, because when you're not feeling great within yourself and you're having a bad day, when you go online and someone's calling you an arsehole or saying that what you're doing is ridiculous, you don't have a clue what you're talking about, that can that can cut deep, but only when I'm having a bad day. When I'm having a good day, I'm like, this is this is amazing. Bring it on. Give me give me more. But that that has been a huge thing. But it's also been something that we've been used to. That's been used to our advantage because when essentially when we first launched, we were just coming out of lockdown. Mental health was on the tip of everyone's tongues, but nobody really knew what mental health was. It was being spoken about. It was becoming normalised. But there was mental health awareness, but there wasn't any mental health understanding. And that's a huge difference because people can talk about mental health all they want. But if they don't have the education, then it just becomes overnormalized. It just becomes another buzzword, which you'll, you'll see all the time within the media and online. So people just didn't understand what they were doing. They were like, so are you like a licensed therapist? I'm like, no. Are your coaches going to be licensed therapists? I'm like, no. And they're like, well, what you're doing is dangerous. Without understanding that that clients were in vulnerable positions every single PT session anyway. So it wasn't that we were then bringing out more of that. We were training up coaches to be able to identify these vulnerable clients and to be able to know where to guide these conversations, which was a really difficult thing for people to understand because people were saying, well, you have to be a mental health professional. And you absolutely don't. Everyone's got mental health, so we can all talk about our mental health. So that was a big challenge when it came to kind of public opinion but like I've said as well, that massively worked in our advantage because the people who cared about it really cared about it. And they wanted to play for our team. They wanted to be on board. They wanted to join our mission, which is why I, I firmly believe our mission took off so, so much. So that was one of the main things. Then when it comes to kind of 
scalability and, and, and the growth since then, so many different challenges when it comes to launching an organisa- organization of that size. Because you, you don't you don't know what's you don't know what's happening day in, day out. And look, you can listen to as many diary of a CEO podcasts as you want, but a lot of these people are talking about stuff in retrospect and in hindsight. Mm-hmm. When you're actually going through it, you don't have a fucking clue what you're doing. And then you look back and you're like, oh my God, oh, that makes so much sense. Why wasn't I doing that earlier? So that was that was a big thing as well, just not understanding the roadmap that we were going to be going on when it came from launch to where we are now, three weeks in. And then another another huge thing is obviously managing your own energy as well. Because when you've got this, you know, this desire, this work ethic, when you believe in something so much, it is virtually impossible to stop thinking about it and to stop working. Which is where you've helped me, of course, because I know a lot of the time I'll ask you for support with day-to-day business things, but ultimately you're there to support me emotionally and to make sure that I'm looking after myself first. And that has been the biggest challenge over the course of the last few years because my health has been up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, But now finally I feel like I'm in a place where I can enjoy it after three years of chaos. Yeah, mate, I love that. And it sounds as though you've almost done the thing and then behaved you've gone right okay i'm gonna put my hand in the air this is what we're gonna do almost act on an impulse and then you're gonna go right okay now i'm gonna like go and find out and behave my way to that thing when you put that thing out there and or you've been able to take that action where does that come from Mm, so again i know i've used the term adhd a few times and i don't want to directly place it on this but a lot of individuals who do have adhd have essentially this real unbelievable desire for autonomy and free will and there's another kind of like massive distrust of authority and I thought this was just me I just thought I was a bit kind of like resistance and a bit of a like a contrarian until I started to do a lot more research and I started to find out a lot more about myself and my ADHD traits but it is a commonality across almost all individuals with with ADD and ADHD of this kind of this real distrust of authority this real kind of well that doesn't make sense this is a better way to do it and the reason that that happens is individuals with ADHD, essentially there is a genetic component that makes them a little bit more sensitive emotionally and physically. My fiance Amy will used to slag me for it rotten. She'd be like, why are you getting ill all the time? Why are you sick all the time? Why are you complaining about how you feel all the time? And there is, there's a, there's a massive kind of sensitivity there, but emotional sensitivity as well. And essentially what that what happens with that is because since there's a greater sensitivity you pick up signals more so you your, your senses are kind of firing in a different way so because of that that then allows you to kind of in my opinion view the world in a slightly different way connect the dots in different ways being like again like I, what why is this like the fitness industry like what why is it working this way this doesn't make any sense let's go off and fix it and, and do it better so that's one thing um and then i think because i can have a real hyper focus about me and I get, I'm happy when I'm creative. If I'm not being creative, I am not happy. So therefore, the best way to be creative is doing something that you enjoy. The best way to enjoy something is working on something that you're really passionate about. So I believe it kind of it stems from there, not again to make this a neurological thing, but I believe it does stem from there in part. Um, but then it's obviously a choice for me to continue to do that because it's just part of who I am now. And... I, it's a difficult to comp- difficult to comprehend when people aren't kind of the same way. And I don't mean, you know, anyone could have whatever job they want. Anyone can do whatever they want. That's not a place to say. But for me, because I feel it is so deeply embedded in me, I don't, I don't really know any other way to do it. <laughs> and have there been times when you've gone, I'm going to put this thing out there. Mm. And then you've gone, oh, fuck, because now you feel like an imposter because you're going to have to step now into this. And there's times where it's like, actually, I don't know how to do this, but I'm just going to go and find out. Not when it comes to that. When I put myself out there, it's this is just this is immediate adrenaline and dopamine that's like, right, just go, just chase it, just get it. The imposter syndrome or confusion comes to me when it comes to kind of day to day. And it always is purely just coming from some skills that I'm still lacking. There's still some skills that I don't feel 100% confident in. When it comes to mental health and exercise, I'm 1000% confident in that. I could talk about that all day. I, I genuinely don't believe there's anyone that would know what I know. In, in greater depth and a greater capacity to me. So I'm so confident with regards to that. 
when it comes to kind of day-to-day -day running of the business, that's still some areas where I will feel like an imposter because I still need more experience. And I'll hold my hands up and I'll say that, although I coach other coaches with their businesses, I'm still, you know, finding my feet, not just within the fitness industry, but within the business space as well. But it's also a good thing because it's a positive challenge. I know there's still so much to learn and that generally, I'm not saying this, it sounds like a cliche, but I'm generally, I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, probably day to day, but then again, the imposter syndrome comes from self-doubt. Self-doubt comes from not having the energy to be able to think of a solution. And then that comes from your own tiredness or fatigue. So it all comes down to you as the individual and, and making sure that you have the energy to solve these problems. Um, so it, comes, it, it always comes back to the person. And going through that transition from Dan PT to now building a company and organization and now obviously running team and being able to actually understand like, okay, I'm actually now needing to put certain people in certain places in a certain... Mm -hmm seats what's been some of the biggest kind of like lessons that you felt as though you've had to step into mm. with doing that because as far as i'm aware from my understanding of you is like there's very few people that you've known around you that are kind of walked the path that you were then wanting to walk and step into yeah um i think it's like it, it's understand i think i've spoke to you a couple of times before about this it's about understanding what you want from an individual and their role and knowing when that individual is maybe doing things in a different way that you wouldn't do, but then that's okay because they're bringing something different. I, th I think it's being able to really understand the different ways that people work. Some people will be more creative. Some people will be more productive. Some people could actually potentially work less hours that week, but get more done. So if you've identified that maybe they aren't putting in that extra couple hours, I'm okay with that. Ben, who's business operations manager and my best mate, he comes from a, a corporate background. So that's like a big, a big no. I, I don't care if some of the staff would work less if they get the work done. So I think it's identifying the ways that people work, which comes from spending a lot of time with them when they're working. And then also understanding how to coach them through that role. I'm, I'm the biggest believer in like just literally just telling them what to do and then let them do it in their own way then if it needs some fine tuning great i don't want anyone to do it in the same way as me um so that's been a big challenge because that's because again of a lack of experience i'm like well this individual is doing it this way but i want to do it that way therefore should i be getting this individual to do it this way or should i just be letting them do it that way so that's been a big challenge also i found it very difficult for some people to be firm and strict and have this kind of authority some people I'm great with, some people I'm not. And there would be lots of times where I'd get really frustrated and wound up at people for not doing things a certain way or not doing things that the way that I want them to be done. But then when you reflect and you do a little bit of soul searching, that comes from your annoyance at yourself from not being authoritative enough. It's actually got nothing to do with them. It comes from your own annoyance at yourself for not being able to hold the standard high enough that would then be able to hold them accountable. So that's been really difficult. And this is all to do with like people management and stuff. Um, and then one of the things that we, we've only started to do recently is really start to put more things in place when it comes to like an organizational hierarchy. But I'm not gonna say that like this has necessarily been like a, a challenge or a mistake or a lesson because actually I'm quite glad of the way that we've done things so far. And we've done amazing things over the last three years. The whole company is best friends. It's fantastic. I'm actually really happy that I allowed that culture to kind of manifest naturally. And now it's a case of a couple of years in, right, boom, let's go. Now let's really start taking things seriously. If we'd embedded a lot more of a serious approach right back at the start, I think productivity-wise, we would have been better. But culture-wise, I don't think we would have been. Not to suggest the two can't work in harmony because they can. Um, but yeah, that, that's been a challenge. But again, it's like, you don't, you, you don't know, you can't learn this from a book. You can't, you have to just go through it and you have to just put yourself out there, make the mistakes and then learn from them and then grow. Yeah, you can only connect the dots. Looking backwards and I think your biggest lessons and experience, your biggest lessons fundamentally come from the experiences that you now have to go through and some lessons have to be experienced in order for them to be like understood. Ben and Troy, the incredible goats that work inside the high performance coach, as they would call themselves, um, obviously came and delivered a, a talk for you guys uh, down in England, probably around this time. Well, actually, a few, no, probably a few months ago. It wasn't this time last year. Started, was, yeah, June, and June was, yeah. they uh, fed back to me that 
the community, the culture, the like the cohesiveness uh, and the energy within that room was was contagious, was phenomenal, and was like one of the best things that they've now feel as though that they've kind of like been a part of and also now seen. What do you think has been some of the things that has allowed you to create that type of community, that culture, and that environment? Because I think with coaches who are trying to now build communities, I believe it's one of the biggest challenges that they face. I know that I've struggled with that in years gone by and it's taken a lot of work, but what would you say has allowed you to become the facilitator of that? Yeah, the thing that underpins everything is like is like concept. It's like concept, which is obviously kind of like the, the overall kind of belief and, and, and kind of idea of where you want, want to be. Um, the vision and then the values are just so important. So when we first launched the award in MHEC, we had basically the early bird tickets sold out on the first day. We had people on like waiting lists. We had people just desperate to do it. The course didn't exist yet. <laughs> like, well, it did, but it, like I, I'd, I created it with SQA. It was in a Word document. There wasn't a textbook yet. There was no social proof. We hadn't actually delivered a course yet. And we had people, 50 people signing up immediately. And then we ended up having two, close to 200 within the first year. We're just over 300 now. And it's a, the concept. So the concept's key because basically every so often when it comes to marketing, when it comes to the business space, there's kind of like this tide of change and you can't force a concept on people. People have to already have the belief of that concept and then they buy into it. So yeah, lockdown like played a part, mental health being on the tip of everyone's tongues, but people were ready for it. I didn't quite realise how many people had been feeling the same as me because the award or qualification or certification didn't exist yet. I'm like, I'm the genius. I've came up with this thing. No one else has thought of this. And no, no one else had thought of actually creating it and then going off and, and making it into business and delivering it. So many people had thought of it. So many people had already Googled it and, and this and the certification did not exist. So concept was massively important there because so many people were, I don't necessarily think waiting. I think some people were, but immediately when people saw it and this still happens today, they go, ah, Right, yeah, this is the missing piece of the puzzle. This is the thing that I should be doing. So concept's massively important. I think the vision and the mission is massively important as well. When individuals come and buy a product from you, they are buying the logistical side of things. They're not necessarily buying the physical side. So the logistical side of... So for example, if an individual is coming to join HPC, right, you could be like, right, well, you get support from me, Ben, Troy, we do these, um, we do these tune-up sessions, we've got ones on Mondays, Fridays, we've got these additional sessions, here's what your learning looks like, here's what the sessions look like. People don't really actually buy because of that. That's like the cherry on top, right? A lot of people actually buy because of, right, where do you want to be? I'm going to help you get from there to there. And that's what you do so best. So... A lot of people don't actually buy in for the physical product. They buy for the fun functional product. But a lot of people bought in for us because of the physical aspect and because of the mission and because of, we are the world's first ever award in this. We're going to get from like A to B. We're going to be able to do all this amazing stuff. So people actually bought into the mission. I don't think a lot of people generally do that. So that was great. And then the values, this is the thing that underpins everything. Like, I, I cannot I cannot describe what it is like walking into a room with some of my coaches. Like they're just the most enthusiastic, passionate people and they've just got so much in common. Essentially, every single one of them has either experienced poor mental health, mental illness with themselves or a family member or a friend. Although to be fair, majority of the population have experienced that now in some way. Everyone at least knows somebody that's really struggled mentally. So that's one thing. So they're deeply passionate about it too they felt let down by the, the traditional fitness industry in the sense of they wanted to come in and help people with their mental health initially, but there was no support for their, all the marketing speaks against it. And they just felt a little bit let down in that sense. So they felt like they, they either lost their way and they needed to find their way again. Then when you get these individuals together in a room that are just so unbelievably passionate about this concept, this vision, this mission, and care about it just as much as you it's, it's the most beautiful thing in the world then when you get all these people into a room together the energy is contagious it's palpable it's indescribable you can't quantify what the energy is like with these people just because they care so much and 
like I said, we've got over 300 coaches now. Every single time a coach joins the award, I do an onboarding call with themselves and any other coaches that have joined the award that week. And every single one, every single one without fail, I go away, I smile to myself, I laugh, I voice note Ben and I say, yep, we've got more recruits because they're, they're the exact same as us. And they say the exact mm. same thing. They're all here for the exact same reason. And um, those things, it's like difficult because you can teach it, but you can't. I think as long as you've got, like I said, the concept, the, the mission statement and the values there, then people will come to you naturally. And then it's a case of actually, let's take a step back, let's let everything take care of itself. As you'll know, some of the conversations that they have together when I have zero involvement in are, are the best ones. So then take a step back, right, you've created this thing, now just kind of let it flourish naturally. Yeah, buddy, I absolutely love that. And as you've scaled and grown and you've gone from like, this is just an idea to now 300 coaches, team, organization, uh, and obviously your roles have, uh, your role has now shifted. How's Dan been able to like manage, lead, look after oneself? Because ultimately you are the figurehead, the front facing, also the guy that's kind of like at the top of the tree pulling the strings and fundamentally it does all come back down to you. How would you say that you've been able to manage oneself through that period and how's that been? It's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult. Like I think, do you see genuinely, if this is three years in, I, I'm, I'm feeling the best physically and mentally that I've ever felt just now. If if this is me overcome that, I will be fucking delighted. Because I know people that get lost in it for about 10 years, 15 years, 20 years when they're going to business. And it's not to suggest that there won't be any more stresses, but I feel like I can handle stresses a lot more now. I used to run away from stress. I used to avoid stress which worked initially because I was like, right, okay, if I just remove stress from my life, therefore I'm going to be fine without, you know, really kind of appreciating that stress will rear its ugly head and, and bite you on the arse when, when you're least expecting for it, at least expecting it. And then because you're not expecting it, you're going to react to it worse. So um, stress management and understanding is, is massively important. Um, th this may sound a little bit kind of counterintuitive, but... I think sometimes you do have to make the mistakes as well. Um, I, I, I spoke to some of my coaches about this the other week, actually, and you know, and one of them is not taking a day off. They're, they're, they're an incredible coach. Like they've done amazing things. They've grown their business massively over the course of the last couple of years. Um, love them to death, but um, they're not taking a day off. And I've used every trick, technique, tip, whatever, to just try and explain to them in a different way why they need to, and they're not doing it. And I just actually held my hands up and I went, you know what, you need to just do this. Mm -hmm. You need to go through it. You need to experience this for yourself. You need to actually feel what those burnout emotions and fatigue feel like for you to make a change. There's no more that I can do, but I'll be here to pick up the pieces once that happens and then guide you in a new direction to help you recuperate and recover. Stress management is massively important, but like I said, I think I feel you do need to go through it a certain amount. Um, understanding your emotions is so 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 key and a lot of my team a lot of my team will like joke about this so like for example the other day um i had me and ben were having a meeting and he said something that i didn't like and i started to get angry and i'm sitting there right i'm sitting there smiling like they're just totally like you would not be able to feel anything of my body language and i went i'm really angry and he was like, well, I was like, I'm really angry that you brought that up i said i don't think that was appropriate to bring up now let's let's talk about it another time um it was fine. We hugged each other. We were like, right, it's all good. We both apologised, even though I was like, I'm sorry for getting angry, even though I didn't get angry. I just said I was feeling angry. And then about an hour later, no, about half an hour later, I voice noted him. And I was like, okay, so I've just been thinking about the reasons that I got angry and here they are. And then I listed them. And Ben was like, nobody does that. Like I, I, I sat and reflected immediately on, right, why am I feeling a certain way? What led to this happening? What was kind of me feeling a bit stressed and what with Ben that he could have done differently and then we resolved it and it was fine. Um, and that only works from an emotional sense as opposed to a, practi a practical sense. But understanding your emotions is massively key. Like even God, I remember the day that we launched and you checked in with me the next day and I was like, I'm fucked. I was like, I'm so tired. And you were like, well, no wonder. Like you've been building up to this thing for months. You've had this massive high. Once you've got that massive high, there's only one way to go and it's back down. I was like, oh. And like, I didn't even realize that at the time, but I, I notice these things constantly. Like I'm, if as soon as I'm about to be distracted, as soon as I'm about to feel vulnerable, as soon as I'm about to do something that's self-destructive, I analyze it, I try to stop and I try to think, right, well, why am I doing this? And for people who don't do this, this may seem really obsessive, but it's absolutely not. It's putting me in control in a world where I'm not in control. 
and that help that helps massively. Um, but again, it takes time to get there. Like only recently, I've stopped drinking recently, so like thirty two days sober now, I believe. And Aaron, who's filming the court podcast now, will know this because me and Aaron used to work together as well. And Aaron, <laughs> there's times when me and Aaron were in the office together, and he would like go home. <laughs> he was like, "Go home." He was like, "You're gonna be, you're gonna be get a headache tomorrow." And he would be able to anticipate that I was going to have a headache because of things that I was saying and the way that I was behaving, my general demeanour and body language and whatever. And he was like, go home, you're going to have a headache. Boom, next day I've got a headache. So other people were able to predict it first, <laughs> which is obviously um, kudos to, to Aaron for being able to know me well and identify that. But it really, really takes time to be able to understand these emotions. And the reason that I brought up like alcohol as well is I was like self-soothing for a while. And as you know, you would always say to me, like, right, long week, put your feet up, enjoy a Moretti. And it worked for me amazing for so, so long until it got to the point where I was like, I am still using this as a crutch to manage stress. If I'm tired, if I don't have energy, if I'm stressed, that's the reason that I'm going to have a drink. And that makes zero sense because I need to work on being tired, stressed and having no energy. Um, and it's taken me 32 years to, to work that one out, but it's going well so far, so. Yeah, absolutely. And that almost goes back to what you're saying about the coach with the day off. It's like, if I knew that I was gonna come into conflict with you and tell you not to do and or, it's like one of those things. It's like, again, yeah, some lessons gotta be experienced to be understood. It's like, right, okay, you've gotta go and walk your own path. And I think that's such an incredible, like lesson you shared as a, as a coach. It's like, you're not there to try and tell them what to do, or like, you can only, like, question and communicate and listen and hear and understand so much until it is a case of right okay this is a safe environment that i need you to now go and walk your own path learn and learn an experience and then when there are challenges and there are dips and i'm going to be here to like support you but you almost can guide somebody they, but they've more fundamentally got to be able to guide themselves you said at the start of that i ran away from stress what would that what would that look like? How how mm. and what would that mean in terms of actions that you would take or things that you would do? Yeah, so some of them, I, I agree with a lot of them as a concept, but I think you then still have to understand the reason that you're doing it. So for example, like do not contact me without these times. Yeah, that's great. That's a great parameter to have in place. But then that doesn't give me permission to lose my shit when someone contacts me out with those times. Mm -hmm. So it's little things like that. I think a lot of the things that you have to do to protect your own energy, I was using it as an excuse for no one dare step out the boundaries of these of mm -hmm. these kind of these parameters. So I think just things to do with like because I'm very I've became a lot more of an introvert recently. I spend a lot of time thinking. I spend I try to spend a lot more time myself, but it doesn't it doesn't really happen. I try to spend time talking less and listening more. But because I do that, there's there's a lot of kind of, of these these habits to gain self-awareness that, that I gain. And so for that, I, I started to become far less angry. I started to become um, you know, far less reactionary to certain things. But I was then thinking, this is me now. I don't react to stuff. Like I don't need to have an emotional reaction. And that's absolutely nonsense. Like everyone has an emotional reaction to everything. You can still feel jealous, you can still feel angry, you can still feel anxious. It's a case of then using those emotions for good. But I was thinking I'm getting rid of these emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm totally avoiding these things. Like I, I'm, I never want to feel angry ever again, which is absolutely nonsense. Like you're gonna feel angry, but just use it. Use it, use it for something positive rather than anger using you. So. Yeah, I think it was just little things like that of me thinking that I could avoid all stress without actually realising it's going to come. You just need to understand how to navigate it better. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important that you have an array of differing emotions because if you don't experience one emotion, you don't know what another one feels like. So mm -hmm. I think as always, it's like one of those things that like we always know that there's going to be uncertainty, constant work, and there's always going to be challenge and pain. And it's like, if you're trying to spend so much time running away from like these things, well then fundamentally like you're playing the wrong game. It's like understanding how do I build the systems? How do I build the strategies, the frameworks, the concepts, the principles for me to now be able to not run away from them, but understand um, and then look at, right, okay, how and what can I now use in my toolbox in order for me to now be able to deal with X in front of me, um, which I think is so valuable because I was the same. It's like, right, okay, I was trying to, run away from like, do you know what, I don't want challenge. Yeah. I hope I don't have a stressful week this week. Or like, yeah, and I said, I said this to um, a lot of coaches not too long ago, it's like, anyone go into Monday and you're thinking, I hope I don't have any problems today. Yeah. 
And it's like they will automatically, you know that there is going to be challenge. So then as soon as there is like a client message you saying, I'm leaving, I'm pausing, I've got this problem or whatever, then all of a sudden you're like, and then the emotional response is just so not in alignment. And you're almost on the back foot. Instead of now knowing that, right, okay, there will be challenge today. There is going to be uncertainty today. And there's going to be potentially conflict or difficulty today. How do I need to prepare myself to be in the best place possible? And when that does happen, how am I going to respond? Or how would my best self respond? So when that happens, it's almost like you're, you're already like, on the front foot instead of now like trying to run away. I hope I don't have any problems or any challenges. I hope there's not this or there's not that. And it's like, there's always going to be. And I think that was a massive lesson for me was like, typically back in the day, like Mondays used to be like, I'd speak to a million people. Um, and it would be like, right, okay, you go into Monday and you almost be on, ed- you'd be on edge. And again, like a coach will have like a check-in day on a Monday. And I know so many, you know, I don't know if you ever got it, but you know, you had a, on a Sunday night, you get the fear about going back to school on Monday. And again, like you speak to some coaches and they, I used to have this, you'd have like dread about like communicating with you. And, but then everyone's like, oh, how's work? Oh, I love my job. I love coaching. I'm like, yeah, everyone's amazing. But then you've got this dread and this fear going into Sunday. And it's like, that's not right. There's a missing piece here that we need to understand and we need to raise awareness around. And I think it's like, like you say, instead of how do I now run away from it, it's how do I raise awareness around it and how do I now start to build the strategies, the frameworks and develop myself in order for me to be able to understand how I can then process and then move forwards. Most importantly, what's the next action or next step that I believe or feel as though that I need to take so that I've got a greater degree of like bounce back ability when something now does arise because inevitably it will. And I think one of the biggest lessons for me will be the more you grow and build, it doesn't get easier, it gets harder, but you just get better. Absolutely. And actually you get exposed to more challenge in a different way. And I think it's then about understanding, well, again, you are the person fundamentally that now has to be at your absolute very best, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, and look after that more than you do anything else because that's gonna be the decision-making energy, vision, strategic, um, individual that's going to be kind of leading the way fundamentally and that's always going to be the limit biggest limiting factor but uh, above me on that scalability and we had a conversation at a breakfast not too long ago and you said to me it's like joe i know that i don't have any issues with regards to like this that the, what i need to do from a marketing or a lead general sales perspective to, to scale the business you said the biggest limiting factor is going to be me yeah 100 percent. What, what you've said there just hits the nail on the head though because it's like if you get going into this job or whether it's coaching, PT in business, what you know, run the business, whatever it is, and think it's not going to be stressful, you're not going to be able to do this job. You're not, you have to find fun in it, you have to find enjoyment in it. Because the whole like I've been really honest about it, like look, the last couple of years have been amazing, but I stopped having fun. Although I remember Ben said to me one day, he was like, When was the last time like you laughed in the office? Like it was so serious. And it's such a valuable lesson because like you can't like there is an upside of stress there is and you can have more fun you can enjoy it if you don't go into it with if you go in it into it with the expectation that you will be able to get rid of stress you'll be able to overcome this like it just doesn't work you just have to know how to ride it out um and that's been massively important as well like i said like it's a case of not avoiding it but actually being like well how can i fall in love with this in a new way with this new challenge and then be able to adapt have greater adaptability skills as and when things come up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that thing, it's that pressure creates diamonds, but also at the same time, it can crumble you. And I think it's about understanding, it's like, when am I, if I think about when I'm at my best, it's like, I'm, I'm having fun, I'm curious, I'm exploring, I'm open, I'm free. I'm not really worrying about anything. I'm just like, almost like trusting your own like intuition and feel. And it's that that I think allows you the opportunity to get the best out of yourself. It's like, I used to, used to use football. It's like, when I didn't care and it was like a nothing game or it didn't really matter, it was like, I'd always play my absolute best. And then when I got a full-time contract and went into playing like properly and it was like I was getting paid and there was this professional contract at the end of it and there was this expectation that I was largely putting on myself, I played like dog shit because, <laughs> because again, like you're operating within this like fear and this pressure instead of just now allowing yourself to be open and just have fun. Again, it's important that there is that, that stress and that pressure and that absolutely needs to be there as well. It's like, I don't believe you can have one without the other, but I think it's about just understanding actually, do you know what, what, actually, what am I excited about? 
what are your clients excited about this week? I said that to the guys last week. It's like, what are you excited about going into this week? And like, how can you make your business more, excite more exciting? Because it is boring. It is monotonous. It is like, you know, put the reps in. And a lot of it is just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And I say the same for your clients. It's like, right, okay, what are they looking forward to about this week way of working with you? Is it you're just gonna get them to check in and then they send you a message and then it's rinse and repeat once again and there's just no energy about it? Or if they've got other things that they now know that there's events, there's awards, there's guest speakers, there's this a hike that you're gonna go and do, there's this whatever. It's like, you know what, we're gonna go for coffee and catch up. Like, what is it they also now have in their day or their week that they can actually look forward to and they can feel excited about so it's just not this transactional thing, which I think is something that you've been able to cultivate so well inside of MHEC in terms of like the things that they now look forward to with the huddle the team, the guest speakers, the big events that you now do. Also, again, like the continual CPD. People love progress. People love growing. And also people love belonging. And I think if you can create that, it's so powerful, but that has to come through again, like fun. And I think it's about how can we create that? Because sometimes you do get to this point where you do become, and I know I've done it, it's like you become serious because yeah. you think that you have to be this way in order for you to be able to have X, Y, and Z. And yes, there's a time and a place, but... People have done Dan for Dan. Dan's at his best when he is laughing, joking, having fun. And that's where he gets his kind of greatest creativity aside from the shower um, <laughs> and uh, or walking the dog and, yeah. and that and that's it. So um, I think it is, mate, massively. Like, how can I operate more from fun and passion and understand that there's going to be stress and pressure and normalize that and recognize that that is a prerequisite and that is a necessary and it's not running away, but actually how do I start to like manage myself to a, to a better degree? Out of curiosity, when did you realize that the scalability and the growth, because again, if you listen to this podcast, it's likely that you want to grow and you want to build and you want to be better and there will be, of course, a business component. When did you realize that it wasn't a marketing sales element component that was going to limit the, the growth and it was going to be you? Um, just when you connect the dots, when you realise that when I'm having, a, I'm having a bad month, MHEC's having a bad month, even when I've got a sales team working on stuff in the past, it's, I'm, I'm going back to do a lot of the sales stuff myself now, but yeah, once you connect those dots and actually see, look, when you've had lots of stuff going on in your own head or you've been working too hard and you've been forcing things that's actually look we actually have tangible evidence here to show that the business is suffering then that's kind of when I started to when I started to connect those dots um I think because it is me in the leader position and I am the face of the business even though I have been trying to bring my other members of team of the team into so they can become the faces of the business as well I think when it comes down to like it just like it just comes hand in hand and um, you need to know that ultimately everything falls back on you like if I don't have the energy to think and create I'm absolutely useless I said this to my team we went on a, on a retreat um a couple of weeks ago and I said look I said don't take this the wrong way but you have to understand that I have to work less I said if I worked one hour a week but that one hour a week was great. I'm not working one hour a week, by the way. But that one hour a week was great. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm working ridiculous hours. But I was like, I was like, you have to understand that my brain works in a different way and that I need less. I need that me going out, walking, not working is me working. And I think when people come from a different background or the majority of people are conditioned to think that it's all about input. It's got fuck all to do with input. It's to do with output. And I am still working way too much, but once you actually really give yourself enough time to step away and see all these wee light bulb moments, you know, going off and, and becoming an objective observer to you so you're you're be able to, you know, view your life and analyze your life as opposed to living your life. Once you're able to do that, you'll be able to see that all these magical things can happen. Um, but it's really difficult because then like, I have to have conversations with myself. I have to justify to my team when I'm logging off. I have to like say to them, oh, by the way, I'm doing less today. I shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, it's great that I'm bringing them into the fold so they know what my day looks like and vice versa. But I still feel like I have to justify it because there's such a deeply conditioned belief and system of ideas that you that productivity is the outcome. Mm -hmm. And it's got nothing to do with productivity. It's got to do with creativity. Um so yeah, once once I start to kind of marry those pieces of the puzzle together, that actually when you work less, there's far greater um, outcome. And then I believe, like I'm the firmest believer that like intention changes as well. So like there's absolutely no coincidence that the last time I took a week off work, sorry, the, well the time before that I took a week off work, I came back 
and things just ramped up like that, like massively. Like I went away, I went away from work. And this comes back to what you're saying about having fun. I went away and I was like, I'm feeling fucking miserable at work. How can I bring more fun into this? Like, what's a great way to get publicity? Okay, people talk about what's in the news. And I went, hold on a second. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So I'm sitting by the pool on holiday and I write a note on my phone. And I said, don't think about infiltrating or, or in, in, integrating or implementing the news into what you do so you can be current go off and make the news, you go off and be current. And I came home and the very day I got home, I put up a social media post and BBC News contacted me two days later. Yeah, I didn't end up going on the news for, for multiple different reasons, but it was all about that intention, that time to switch off and, and not enough people do it. Um, but hopefully you'll learn the hard way like, I, like I've done and then get there eventually. Yeah, I think I've been working with a leadership coach and we, I did a kind of like a psychometry test and uh, again, a lot of it is like, you know, high energy driven, basically want to get shit done and, you know, to kind of simplify it. But one of the biggest things that she said to me was like, actually, you love discipline, structure and routine. I'm like, yeah, I live on discipline, structure and routine. But she says, actually, do you know what? If you want to be at your absolute best, it's like you need a far greater degree of spontaneity. She's like, you just need to have like no structure. It doesn't need to be like bound. You just need to actually be free. Now that makes me feel like a donkey on the edge. Yeah, that terrifies You know, because me. you're like, whoa, yeah. because again, like so, like you said, like you've basically just been conditioned for this, for so long in this way. And again, so often you can measure your like self-worth based upon obviously the amount of work that you now do and or feel guilty that you don't feel like you're doing enough. And this is what I've been working on myself. It's like my relationship with rest, my relationship with recoverability and my relationship with now spontaneity and the ability to actually now be able to just not have like structure and order for periods of time and then just allow myself the opportunity to be free. And like in my head initially, I'm like, in my in a narrative, it's like Joe, you're lazy. Joe, you're not working hard enough. Joe, you're fucking about. Joe, you're wasting time. Uh, Joe, your team are gonna think. Your clients are gonna think. <laughs> insert like. And in your head, you've got this like obviously, you know, you've got the chimp that's basically just telling you. Yeah. And but every single time that I've done that, I've always come back in exactly the same way. And it's like, well, okay, new idea, new level of energy, new level of focus. This challenge that I couldn't quite connect the two together is now all of a sudden it's like symbiotic, and I can see it. And it's like. I don't know what I've done because I can't really, you can't put your finger on what you've done because you haven't really done anything. And that's the point. And it was like actually allowing yourself and Ben always jokes to me, he says, mate, whenever you put yourself on a plane, I think I said this in a few podcasts, mm -hmm. is like when you put yourself on a plane, is like when you get off a plane, you're a different bloke. Is like, so if you could just go and spend more time on a plane, you'd be, a far, you'd be far better because I just think I put myself in a bubble where there's no Wi-Fi, there's no, like, I just feel as I'm not, in the, I'm not, on, the, I'm not on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then I come off and I'm like, oh, I've just got this whole completely different perspective and view on insert whatever it is that I'm trying to focus on. And I do think it's just allowing yourself that opportunity. Yes, you've got to work hard and yes, you've got to put in the reps. And yes, you've just said like, you know, putting in the hours and I'm working with Dick's hours. And likewise, and you have to now do that. Like fundamentally, you have to put in the reps, but also there needs to be a degree of rest, fun and spontaneity because without one, with, with, you can have one, but without the other, it's not going to, it's not going to allow you the opportunity to go and progress as far as you possibly could do. You know, and I think it is just trying to develop that and also now normalize that and become more okay with that. And it's something that I'm struggling with and have struggled with even more so in the past. And I know it's something that you've been like developing and improving and working on as well. Yeah. It, apparently, if you've got a creative job, you shouldn't be working more than 35 hours a week. Hmm. That's the threshold. Once you work 36 hours, those are shit hours <laughs> afterwards. But it's, it, again, it all, I'll keep banging on about it, but it comes down to self-awareness. Self-awareness is so key. Like, I'm mentioned about what Aaron had said when it came to me anticipating I was going to have a headache last week the, I was basically I was getting up at six and I was finishing at three because I realized that between obviously between six and, and nine um no one's bothering me and I was getting so much work done and by I say when I say no one's bothering me I get massively distracted as well so I'm not blaming anyone else for that but that was a great period for me and I found that I'm really productive in the mornings I'm waking up I'm like right boom let's go so I was like let's hack into that so I was doing that, so I was like to everyone, all right, I'm not going to log off at three. And then last Thursday, it was about quarter past three, and I messaged Ben, and he went, what are you still doing work and log off? And I went, no, no, I'll be fine, I've got to get this thing done for Friday morning. I had quite three big tasks that I needed to get done, and I hadn't quite finished them yet. But I could have easily logged off, chilled a little bit, and it would have actually been better doing two hours on Saturday morning, even though that's my weekend. That would have been better rather than just kind of pushing through then. And then he said, can you log off, please? He said, you're going to be shattered. 
And I was like, no, no, I'm going to be fine. And I've I literally, honestly, I've been shattered from working that, I've worked like an extra two hours. And I knew that. And, it, and it's ridiculous. It's, it's honestly, it's like a juggling, it's like a balancing act. And it now gets to the point where if I literally work an hour too much or two hours much, then I'm going to feel repercussions. Because my body's got so used to exerting itself to a certain level within that time period. So for me, you saying about not having like structure, like, like that kind of like more flexibility, that absolutely terrifies me. Um, but then I can be really, really, really kind of anal about exactly when to log off, exactly when to log off, because then you can find that sweet spot of being in flow state when you work, recovery fine. Exact same like what your whoop would measure when it comes to exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get that for your own kind of emotional energy when it comes to work as well. Yeah. I think small behaviours are the difference. Your small behaviours when compounded over time. And again, I was speaking to somebody and it's like uh, one, of, one of our coaches and he was like, yeah, mate, I've realised he's like, I play footy on a Saturday and then when I play footy on a Saturday with the team, I basically then come home and I have, may have a couple of beers and then stay up two hours later. On a Sunday morning, I don't feel as fresh. So therefore, I would normally get up at seven. I now get up at nine. I then I've lost half my morning. So then I feel, well, fucking hell, this is pointless. I've lost a couple of hours. Then I fuck around until 12 and then I've got to sort the kids out. And in that time, I then don't plan my week, don't structure this, don't structure that. I then go into Monday and then when I'm supposed to be training, I'm not having to plan my diary and plan my week because now I haven't done it on the Sunday. That then leads into a cascade of shit on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And he was like, I've just realized it all just stemmed from that Saturday of doing this and this behavior. And then that led to this. And it's almost that domino effect. And it's like, again, you can only connect the dots and you look backwards. And he's like, so basically, I've just now realized that it wasn't because of like my my diary that I had structured for like Monday to Friday or anything along those lines. It was because of like this thing that I hadn't even been aware of that I was doing that was just that one little thing that just had that, that knock-on effect. And it is just those small little behaviors that do make a difference that either take you one step closer or one step further away. And I think that's the same in terms of now understanding like you, your boundaries and where you're now going to be at your absolute very best, um, which I think is going to be huge. So dude, We'll wrap up because I want to go for breakfast and have a coffee uh, with you. <laughs> Joel's treating me for yeah. breakfast. <laughs> but what's next for what's next for MHEC? Oh, okay. So um, we've got lots of exciting projects lined up. What's really cool, I'll keep this as, as short and sweet as possible. What's really cool is that because we've essentially done so much work behind the scenes over the course of the last couple of years, we're now at a place where we're like, let's just literally market the life out of this. So the, Ben described it in the best way that for the last couple of years, we've been laying the tracks as the train's been coming. Mm-hmm. So we've made some huge changes to the award when it comes to the certification, how it works, the kind of the infrastructure going on when it comes to that. So there have been lots of changes to do with that. We've got a gym, so we've kind of been getting that back to stage where it's thriving again after post-lockdown. And then we've got a year-long it's called the MHEC program. So it's a, it's, it's a mental health nexus fitness program for the general public. It's a year-long program. I've been working on that for 18 months. So that's consumed a lot of my time. But what's really exciting now is not to suggest that the work is done because the work is never done when it comes to continuous development within the, the, the products that you offer. But what's really exciting is now we're at a place where we're like, right, let's just, let's just absolutely go for this. So as it stands when it comes to the, the award, We've got coaches in the States, Australia, New Zealand, the Middle East, Central Europe, and essentially I'm wanting to start officially branching out overseas next year. Whether that's done in person, whether it's done virtually, I don't know yet, we'll, we'll need to see. But we're starting to get that interest there already, and these, these other countries you know, are, cr- are gonna be crying out for this award. And, and because we've got the infrastructure ready, we can now scale. So again, a lesson to anyone else is, I wanted to do this in year one. Ben taught me out of it. We're now in year three. We've got the infrastructure. Now we can scale. So that's when it comes to the award. That's really exciting. Um, we are doing a lot of really exciting work within the community. So a lot of people think MHEC is just uh, in, with, involved in the fitness industry and involved with PTs and gyms. But we have got coaches that are in the prison service who have been trialing MHEC within there with incredible results. We've got individuals receiving MHEC as a concept as, as training, bringing kind of therapy and exercise together, individuals, the most vulnerable individuals um, within prisons, really, really high charge sheets, assaults, um, being found with contraband, self-harm, all that type of stuff, who now haven't had a charge sheet in 12 weeks. So we're now bringing MHEC into there. We've got MHEC going into schools, which is really exciting. So we are basically creating a programme that our coaches can go and approach schools with, tried, tested, easily measurable, 
lots of social proof coaches can go in and, and um, start delivering impact within schools. The exact same thing happened within the corporate space when it comes to corporate wellness programs. So when it comes to the certification and, and MHEC, that that's what we're going to be doing there, um, which is really exciting. When it comes to the MHEC gyms side of things, we've got a lot of coaches who have their own gyms that are potentially going to want to go through a rebrand and become an MHEC gym, or there could be a co-brand and kind of licensing arrangement there as well. So it's it's all systems go, but what's really exciting is we know it works. The proof's there. Proof of concept absolutely 100% works. We've refined it for so long, which is the boring reps that we've spoken about, very tedious, very monotonous. And now I cannot wait to just really just, you know, market the life out of it, advertise the life out of it, get more different people from different communities coming in, working with different clientele, having it work with them and then just continue to grow and scale. Um, I want this to be worldwide within within the next couple of years and I'm 100% confident we'll do that. Dude, I love that. And for those coaches who are interested in finding out Dan Hancock, um, M. Heck, and uh, Mr. Ben Lewis, the man, man the, mm. the other MVP behind the operations, um, where, where's best for people to go? You can follow me if you want at Mental Health PT, but it's pretty much me playing with my dog. Um, so if you like dash on the content, then do that. Um, but no, I my social media is is about me. It's about my mission. It's about me as a person, and I do talk about all things MHEC. But if you want to find out about the award, go and go and follow award underscore in underscore mhec on instagram because that's when we share a lot more of kind of like the behind the scenes course content what you would expect as a learner learning materials learning outcomes um what we're doing with our coaches day in day out to help them become certified mhec coaches so i, I would check out the award instagram page and um, if not check out mymhec.com that is a base where we talk about all things mhec from the awards to the gyms to the mhec program Specifically, if you're interested in the award, put a forward slash award. So myamhec.com forward slash award. And you can come and find out more about the award on that page. Why we feel you as a fitness professional should be doing this award. How MHEC can be integrated into your service. And there's more. There's lots of ways you can find out more. You can speak to me directly. We can have a one-to-one call if I feel that you know, you're know you a suitable candidate. This is something that you're wanting to progress seriously. Or we do free information webinars every single week as well. They last 60 minutes. 60 minutes out of your day nothing to lose, everything to gain. Come and find out about the award and how you can become a certified MHEC coach and help us on our mission, revitalizing the health of the country. Dude, I massively appreciate your honesty, openness, energy. Uh, let's go and uh, eat brunch and uh, have a coffee. Mate, so much love for you, appreciation for you, and I'm excited for what's to come. Mr. Thank Dan you. Hancock, thank you. Thank you, mate. You too.